Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by Nicole Farini, Climate and Sustainability Officer for the City of El Paso, Texas, and Gary DePreta, Vice President for State, Local Government, and Education at Cisco. We discuss a partnership between Cisco and the City of El Paso to launch a portal called El Paso Helps, which connects unhoused individuals and other at-risk community members to essential services, including shelter and housing, addiction and mental health support, and much more. We get into the need for a service like this, the technology that's helping to power El Paso Helps, and the difference it's making in the El Paso community overall. All right, Gary and Nicole, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So since I have two of you here, I'd love for each of you to just briefly introduce yourselves and uh, where you're coming in from. Uh, Gary, let's start with you. Okay, uh, Nicole, my name is Gary DePrada, and I lead Cisco State Local and Education Vertical here in the U.S., so happy to be here. Awesome. And Nicole? Uh, yeah, super happy to be here. My name is Nicole Alderete Farini, and I am the Climate and Sustainability Officer for the City of El Paso. I oversee the Climate Department, which is our climate action work, as well as our community and human development work, which in essence makes me like a chief resilience officer. So That's for sure. Um, awesome. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you both today. We're here to talk about a project that you collaborated on together, El Paso Helps. Um, so before we, you know, we'll get to a lot of specifics about it, but um, I wanted to come to you first, Nicole, to sort of set the scene. Tell me a bit about the problem that the city of El Paso was facing, is, pace, is facing, that ultimately led to this project. Well, I think that if I had to boil down the challenge to a single issue, the issue has always been access to the many, many services and support structures that are out there for people experiencing vulnerability. Um, We have identified uh, as part of our resilience work over the last 10 years, housing and homelessness as a priority vulnerability for this community. And as we dove into that work, what we saw was that these services exist. There's many, many avenues that are really great ways to get on your feet, get assistance, get what you need to help you out. But it's extraordinarily difficult to access those services. So that was the the core issue. Enter March 2020. And this this little thing called COVID-19 that we thought was going to be over in three months. Um, And suddenly we had an entire population, an entire community that was scared, didn't know what was going on, didn't, there wasn't information available. So everyone wanted immediate access to support structures. And then we had an entire population that we were telling to shelter in place and they had no shelter to shelter in place. So ultimately, we had to move very quickly to stand up a a facility for that. Um, We knew we couldn't do it alone. And so we do what we do best here in the city of El Paso, which is we reach out to our friends, our partners. And in this case, we reached out to Cisco, and we said, we need your help. And as they have always been, they were there. Fantastic. So, so this project dates back to uh, the early days of the pandemic, and that was a, a pilot version, is my understanding. 
Yes, ma'am. And, I, and I'm going to let Gary talk a little bit about sure. um, kind of where, you know, how and where, you know, Cisco came into this. But what I will preface that by saying is in that moment, and when I say moment, I am actually talking about, I woke up at like 6 a.m. and by 6.30 a.m., everyone's in a panic. We don't know what we're going to do. We've got 3,000 people. We've got a shelter and all this craziness going on. And I needed a thought partner. And so we picked up the phone and we called Cisco and we said, we need our thought partners. This is the challenge that we're having. We need to be able to process folks through this coordinated entry system. We need to shelter them. How can you help? And then uh, I'm going to kind of let Gary yeah. talk a little bit about how they came in and were able to help us with that. That was the pilot. That was where it began. Okay, fantastic. So Gary, yeah, tell me about Cisco's end of that phone conversation, essentially, and, and how you came in and, and what you're what you're bringing here. Yeah, so it, the, it first started with an initial uh, pilot program called the Delta Welcome Center. And that was, you know, intended, as Nicole said, to centralize services for the unhoused community members so they can ask, access, you know, social services. And in those first two years, the center has served, you know, 5,000 unique individuals. And so it really did set the groundwork for what we launched last week in El Paso, which is El Paso Helps. And uh, this was supported by... Um, you know, one of our many corporate social responsibility, social responsibility uh, projects, something we call our, our, our country digital acceleration or CDA program, um, which we use some funds to, to start this initial program. But where progressed is for, uh, for El Paso Helps is, you know, I, I would say that, you know, this trend had started before the pandemic. Um, leaders like Nicole the, dig the digitization of uh, and transformation of city services, of government services, had started already. And if you think about kind of as consumers, what we do now on our iPhones, right, we can do, uh, you know, pretty much anything. So the governments were already sort of moving in that direction. But as Nicole points out, the pandemic just accelerated that, at, you know, at a rapid, rapid pace. But what I think um, El Paso helps this next sort of generation uh, project or program that uh, Nicole and the city and Cisco have partnered on. I think there's, there's three really you know unique components that make this successful. Uh, the first and foremost is um, you know Nicole spoke about it, but we did have we do have a long-standing partnership with the city that goes back not years but actually goes back decades. So you know there's it does take a village when you're solving issues like uh, the unhoused and, you know, in digital equity and all the, all the challenges that we, we face as a community. So that it starts with the first thing, which is that strong um, partnership between private companies, the private sector and our, our community leaders. Uh, number two, the city of El Paso in that partnership already had a strong technology foundation with Cisco. And so when we started to think about El Paso Helps, which is powered by WebEx, is we already had a strong foundation to, to build upon. And so you can't underestimate sort of the work that we were doing well ahead of this initiative um, with, with the city. And then finally, um, you know, I'm going to steal a phrase that I've heard Nicole use. So I'll give her editorial credit, which is, you know, this it's also started with this, this El Paso helps with a human design element um, because a lot of, a lot of cities and a lot of governments have created call centers, digital front doors, and those are all great. And those are fine. But what I love about what Nicole and the, and, the, and the city leaders asked us to partner with them on is this human design where through one click, right, one simplified click, they can get a real life human being who is trained, who 
who may be a social worker who shows empathy. When you're in crisis, you don't want to be clicking through, you know, you know, different VRUs and trying to find the right city service when you're in need. And I think that that's what makes this project really just so special. Fantastic. I think you're right. I just I just want to say really quickly, it's it's important that at the end of the day, what the user is experiencing is a button uh, and a screen. Mm-hmm. What happens behind the button and the screen, I don't even pretend to fully understand, but it's <laughs> it's made possible by a huge team. And, and, and another thing that's unique about this is it's not just the city and a public sector partner like Cisco. We've got, you know, a half a dozen nonprofit providers that are not connected to each other or were not connected to each other before this, and they now are collaborating. And and so it's it's a public sector, private sector, nonprofit sector, community partnership that results in something that works for human beings. That's yeah. it. Yeah, no, fan- that's absolutely fantastic. Um, so for, between the pilot project and the current version of, of the project, uh, portal. Um, did you add different services? Like what have you learned uh, over the course of those two projects that are, is different with last week's launch, for example? So El Paso Helps in what launched last week is incredibly unique. And it is light years ahead of what we did uh, in March of 2020. In March of 2020, it was literally, how do we get people to be able to communicate uh, in a way that's safe and separated? but we can still have those conversations. That's where that started. But over two years, we had people experiencing homelessness using this technology and interfacing with it and giving us live feedback about what was working. We had social service providers saying, well, this worked, but this didn't, this didn't work, et cetera, et cetera. And so it evolved over a period of time. What exists today is not just services that process someone into a shelter, which is what we had in 2020. Okay. What we have today is multiple access points based on what do you need? So it's not saying, you know, here's a directory of providers, call them all and go through their, you know, phone prompts. No, I need shelter. I need a safe place. I have an addiction, right? Very, very clear. We even, and this is coming, I, I, I think the button will be there this week. Can't find what you need click here. And what that connects you to is our United Way partners, who in essence just will say, uh, you know, hello, Nicole, Um, how can how can I help you today? Are you okay? And guess what, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. How important is that? That's that's amazing. Um, so I understand, is this, is, are these multiple portals or is it one, like how, if I'm a person in El Paso, where am I seeing this? How am I interacting with it? And I could go for either of you. Well, I'll just start by saying it's, sure. it's, it's as easy as going to elpasohelps.org. Okay. Period. Um, once you get there, the human centered design, the aesthetic of the interface is a completely self-explanatory. I need a safe space. Click. Mm-hmm. There is the the office hours of the individual click open. Right. Working with our partners through the challenges of I need I need the person who clicks. They can't be downloading something. They can't be waiting. They can't. There was a lot of things that we challenged the heck out of the technology team, but they responded every time. Gary, how how would you respond to that? 
Now, I think that that that's what the, again. I love that phrase that human design, but it is literally as easy as a one click, uh, Nicole, to get a live person, you know, a trained person to to help you. And that's really what it is. It's just to help. But I'd like to also add to your last question about you know what we have learned. But I think what excites Nicole and I also about what we're going to learn, and that is by having this you know coordinated um, you know support ecosystem of the community partners and the city. You know this this single portal. It's going to give us and you know the, when I say us, the city. You know data over time. And that data is going to give, you know, a better pulse on where the community has its greatest needs and then be able to deploy real time based on real time trends. And I know I'm certainly not a city leader or government leader, but I spend my, you know, Monday through Friday and sometimes weekends with government leaders. But I talked to Nicole about the challenge of being a city leader and deploying resources. And it's very difficult to know at any given time what you're you know, homeless population is, where it is, what services are in most need. And by having this consolidated portal, while it's, you know, it's a, it's a spectacular and unique solution for the, for the individual in crisis, it's also going to be a great solution for, for the city of El Paso and cities who choose to adopt something like this, because it give, it'll give trending in real time, you know, where and, and when and, and what needs, um, you know, are, are, are needed by the, by the population who are in crisis, and then we can effectively target support resources as needed. Yeah, Nicole, do you want to add anything to that? Because I was wondering, you know, how the city sees uh, the data that they're going to be able to acquire from this, if that's already sort of baked into the the plan for for this portal, uh, extracting data and hopefully learning from it. Absolutely. I mean, well said, my friend, Gary, that was great. Um, I think that, you know, not only... The interface on this, the front side of it, is is absolutely this human-centered design, and it's about the soft touch with human beings. But we really 360 this thing in terms of not stopping there. What happens on the back end? And we are collecting that data. What I will tell you, if you look at the way um, data surrounding homelessness is gathered nationwide, um, it doesn't take very long to poke a lot of holes in it. Um, it is it is a well it is well acknowledged that we don't have a good way to track that nationwide, nor do we have a good way until now in El Paso to do same. So, we will be looking at those numbers. Uh, we will be looking at not only how many individuals interfaced with the system, but what makes this unique is that we also can track what happened after. Did they re-enter into homelessness after interfacing with the system? How many times did they interface with the system? What went wrong? What went right? Those are questions that um, elected officials and decision makers in government need in order to utilize limited resources. And I'm going to cheerlead for my city quite a bit here because I'm going to say El Paso is absolutely expert at doing everything with almost nothing. Mm. We are not Houston. We are not LA. We don't have those budgets. We don't have those resources. We don't have that level of philanthropy in our community because the money just isn't there. So we have to be diligent and data-driven with our decision-making. Right. 
And to that point, you know, you mentioned, Gary mentioned earlier that this is partially funded with, I guess, some funding from Cisco. Um, I was wondering if you got any CARES Act funding for this, given it was a 2020 project. And I'm also wondering, you know, for the sustainability of this, are you hoping to get some, you know, digital equity grants or or otherwise from the federal government? Um, I guess that's for you, Nicole. Yeah. So the answer to your question is yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> um, we leveraged everything um initially during you know 2020 2021 we were using cares dollars but i will tell you what uh, almost 100 percent of that was driven into provider services mm. um we you know um it, the, the technology is one thing but if you don't have a cohesive group of providers that are directed and collect and frankly contracted to collaborate with each other it doesn't work right um and so we used cares to do that Subsequently, we're using uh, American Recovery Act money um, to to create the system. What I will tell you, I think, is beautiful about this system is that in an ongoing way, those costs don't look the same. In an ongoing way, we are working with providers who are funded through a variety of sources. We, as the city, are hosting this portal. This is this is on us, and mm-hmm. so really, we are inviting providers who are funded to do what they do. To join us, and so in the future, we we see the costs being driven down, not up. And so again, I think uh, if I can go a step beyond what my PR folks would probably like me to do, <laughs> is I'll say that that's what American Recovery Act money was for. Right. Right. Cares was about response. ARPA is about building a system that will stand when ARPA's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. what we did. Exactly. Um, so I speak sort of sticking with the digital equity topic for a moment. Um, I, I think that unhoused populations get left out of the conversation a lot. And the federal government is considering a lot around digital equity. Uh, the NTIA just this week started soliciting feedback for the Digital Equity Act programs. The FCC is in the process of setting rules against digital discrimination. Um, so since both of you have worked with these populations and worked on this project and have had experience since 2020 doing so, at, at least, uh, I'd love to hear each of your thoughts on the subject of digital equity uh, as it relates to unhoused populations and at risk populations, how can those programs and rules address the needs of those communities? So I'll start, Nicole, by saying that we we estimate that roughly 75% of unhoused individuals have access to a device of some kind. Um, now, how does that device access the internet? Well, in El Paso, we have something called digital El Paso, which is free Wi-Fi. Um, that free Wi-Fi has a footprint that surrounds all of our public facilities, our recreation centers, our libraries, and our downtown. It, uh, the, the core of our downtown, it's about a 10 or 12 block radius. You can catch Digital Paso anywhere in that area. Now, we also know that that is where our uh, homeless population is concentrated. And so we're working to make sure that that access exists, but you're also talking about the future of El Paso Helps. Because I see down the road, how can we enhance that? As we learn, we think digital El Paso is great. It may be that folks are, are, are not in a place where they can access it. I think they're downtown and they're not. And so, okay, when they're not, 
what do I need to create? What system do I need to create? My dream would be that we have kiosks available across the city where someone could approach and access these services from those kiosks. That's down the road. We don't have that yet, but but we are hoping uh, for that bright future. Gary, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? I, I kind of jumped on that one. No, that's that, that's okay. The, the only thing um, I might add is as it, it relates to digital equity and kind of the work that we're doing, like with El Paso and other communities around the U.S., is it's, it's deeply personal to us uh, here at Cisco, uh, Nicole. And I say that because, you know, our corporate mission statement is to help power an inclusive future for all. So, I mean, that's our corporate mission statement. So, you know, inclusivity and um, using technology, you know, to help provide access, you know, and an equitable access to services and be a part of our global community is something that, you know, is in our DNA as a corporation. Um, So it is very personal for us. What I also might add is, you know, the really exciting part of this is that, you know, if you take kind of the, you know, the uniqueness of what, El Paso has done and created that human interaction, right? That empathetic, you know, simplified experience for those in need. And then you take this sort of data-driven decision-making. And so what does that all mean? Well, really what it means is it's going to drive really efficient government. And, you know, if you can deliver services in an effective way, um, what it does is it continues to build trust and confidence and government and the community service, especially for those who are underserved. And and that's really cool, right? That's really cool. That's ultimately, you know, what driving more efficient services, more, more making services accessible to those in need, it's, it's going to continue to build that trust and confidence factor. Um, and I think that's going to be where, you know, where this heads to, and that's going to be a pretty special place to be. Thanks to the work we've, we've done with, with the city. Imagine that intelligent, effective, and empathetic policymaking. That's great. Good stuff. Wow. I mean, well, I can't think of a better place to end it than that wish for our future and and our lives. Um, Thank you both so much for taking some time to talk with me about this and for working on such an important project. Um, I look forward to keeping up with it, and uh, I look forward to those kiosks eventually. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nicole. My pleasure. Thank you again, Nicole and Gary, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriel, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.